into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Two Rivers Ford, the best car buying experience humanly possible in 2023 model year Fords available right now. You can build your next Ford with Two Rivers Ford. You can do so today at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators, who are playing a game just about a mile and a half from where we're doing this show right now. GaryAshton.com is where you go for the Intel edge you need to succeed. Trust the best in the business with the Ashton team. Superbook Sports, where you go to wager on all the action sports, football, baseball, basketball, Whatever you like, Superbook Sports has you covered with great odds, boosts, and promotions at the superbook.com for terms and conditions. And of course, TrueMav Fitness, a new way to work out. If you went to TrueMav today, like I told you, you should have, to get your first class free at TrueMavFitness.com, upper body with a core focus. We could all use a little more focus on our core and our lives. You can do that at TrueMavFitness.com. So, uh... Malik Willis has been the subject of a lot of conversation, right? Ryan Tannehill was practicing today more than he did yesterday. He was still considered limited in the work that he did. His ankle was heavily taped that he injured against the Indianapolis Colts a couple of days ago. So the question that we've all been asking ourselves is, all right, what's better? And I know this was something that the boys went through this morning, but basically as a banged up, you know, bruised wheel Ryan Tannehill or sprained wheel Ryan Tana, Tannehill. Is that a better asset to you than a healthy Malik Willis who you don't necessarily trust to have full command, certainly not to have full command of the offense. Um, and for the purposes of this game, a divisional game, are you comfortable enough risking having him out there when you know the personnel packages and the plays that you're going to be able to run are going to be limited beyond you know the whole atmosphere that he's going to have to take on. That's far different than a preseason game. Now a game at Houston when they're one four and one, not going to be the most hostile of environments. In fact, I imagine it's going to look a lot like the last time I was down there, which was Week 18, when the Titans, uh, you know, they got a little they got a little threatened by Davis Mills in the third quarter, but other than that, went down, handled business, won the division, became the number one overall seed, and there were more Titans fans in the lower bowl. Than there were Texans, I should say Titans and Oilers fans, given that we will be in Houston, uh, than there were Texans fans. So, you know, if you had to put him into a situation, at least, you know, there's not going to be like crowd noise that's going to impact him that way. But in the, in the reality of things, Tannehill is more than likely to start. Um, now, whether you agree with that, whether you disagree with that, that's something that, you know, everybody's entitled to an opinion to. And, we can only uh, argue about it after the fact once we have the results in hand. But as it relates to Malik Willis, is there something that they can do with Malik Willis in an expanded role while understanding that you're going to be working with Tannehill in a limited capacity, as daunting a task as that might seem? So I want to start first with your Two Rivers Ford take on this Thursday evening. Fair or foul, the Titans should continue using Malik as a weapon in their offense. You give me your response. We will talk about it together right after I remind you about the lovely people who present this take each and every evening. That, of course, is the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. 
Two Rivers Ford is where you go to custom order your next vehicle and to get the exact 2023 model year Ford that you want. They've got the best salespeople in the business. Do you know why? Not just because they win awards for their customer service, but because those guys don't guys and gals don't work on commission, which means that they are not out here harassing you to make a sale because they're making a paycheck whether they sell you a car or not. Whether you want an Explorer like I drive from Two Rivers Ford, whether you want an F-150 Mustang Escape Mach-E or Expedition, whatever you like, Two Rivers Ford makes it fun, easy, and fast to go through the car buying experience. TwoRiversFord.com for your information today. Caleb Gray says, just got my Ford Maverick delivered to me on Friday from Two Rivers Ford. We love to see it. Makes us happy. Uh, I hope you told them that A to Z Sports sent you. If not, that's okay. We're probably going to send this to them anyway and be like, see, look, Caleb Gray ordered a Ford. We love to see it. No, we love Two Rivers Ford, and we're happy that Caleb got his vehicle. Anyway, so as we look at the situation with Malik Willis, uh, I believe Teron Davenport was the person who asked Todd Downing this question today about, you know, the usage that they've had so far with Malik and, you know, if they're looking to do a little more. We got to see Malik in there in not just traditional quarterback role. Is that something that you're kind of bringing along, like a package that you would like to present for him to have an additional impact? He's such a, a talented athlete. And, uh, you know, we all remember from the preseason, I mean, I think he has the, the longest run to date, uh, including preseason, you know, so looking for ways to have him on the field. And then the first couple of times he was on the field, it was, you know, make them say, hey, they got two quarterbacks out there and we were just running a, a bread and butter scheme. So, um, you know, a little bit of a balance there and obviously had the exchange issue on the one. Uh, it's a well-blocked play. Cody Hollister did a great job if we get that exchange uh, you know I think we're talking about a, a pretty big play there so you know we'll, we'll see where that expands and and uh, how far we want to go with that so that's Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing talking about Malik Willis and you know what they'd like to do more of Ken Kaniff says to the question fair or foul you two rivers for take fair or foul to continue to use Malik Willis as a weapon in this offense well so here's the thing about the question right is he really considered a weapon in this offense? The answer thus far has been no, right? We've seen him have explosive runs in the preseason. We've seen him make spectacular throws. We've seen him have, you know, clear and obvious limitations as it relates to operating in a pro-style passing game so early on in his career. But since then, we don't really have a sample size for this guy, right? Other than We've seen a couple of attempts in Buffalo when they were getting their asses kicked and, you know, the uh, a couple of uh, situations where they had him in as a part of the personnel package this past weekend against the Colts. Now, I'm all for trying to show offenses or rather show defenses different looks. Titans did it effectively with Marcus Mariota. They have had success with Derrick Henry in previous years in the King Cat formation. It has not been successful thus far. This year, though, in fact, Derek, he just looks so damn uncomfortable when he catches the ball in the shotgun. I don't know why that is. I don't know why it's still happening, but it's a thing. And it has, you know, not necessarily, it's not produced a positive effect thus far this year. But we've seen, you know, I've seen Derek Henry throw a, put, a touchdown pass in a playoff game to Corey Davis on his birthday out of the King Cat formation. So it's not something that they can't find uses for at any given point. I'm not saying throw it out of the playbook. But with Malik, I don't know what he can do, right? I mean, 
I theoretically know what he can do. I hypothetically know what he can do, but I don't have anything evidential to say, okay, this is what it's going to look like when he's on the field in their offense and they're going to have success. Like this is what they're going to do with him. That's going to make me feel good about the idea that Malik Willis is trotting out there with Ryan Tannehill or Ryan Tannehill comes off the field and it's Malik and Derrick Henry, Malik, Derrick Henry, and Hassan Haskins in the backfield. Maybe you throw Chig back there instead of Haskins. You get kind of nuts with the 21 personnel, however you want to do it, and you find ways to craft together an offense when your quarterback's not 100% as Ryan Tannehill will likely not be. Now, I, I, you know, it all comes down to the execution, and obviously the execution in that particular moment was poor. I think the idea of a jet sweep where you need Tannehill to be comfortable with his footwork as he uh, as he turns from under center to deliver the uh, handoff to Malik Willis, who was going to get literally stuck in the belly button of DeForest Buckner if they ran that play to effect. DeForest Buckner physically had Malik Willis like a baby in his arms. It could have cradled him for how ready he was for that play to, to come his way. But, you know, I think you have to understand the moment, right? Tannehill wasn't right. The ankle wasn't right. Tannehill went back in the game, goes to deliver the handoff, get, can't get his footwork right. They trip over each other, uh, and it turns into a fumble that is lost. So from that standpoint, I'm cool with however they want to use Malik as long as they do it wisely. And I know that that's easy criticism at this point or not the most groundbreaking advice, but I do think that there is a situational awareness problem um, with Todd Downing, more often than not, that'd probably be my biggest criticism of him. N now, you know, situational awareness has nothing to do with the fact that Taylor Lewan misses a block and Chigakonkwa on the third and one tight end end around can't make the play, right? There's only, you know, situational awareness. The conversation may be different after a play like that if Taylor Lewan executes the block. We'll never know because he didn't execute the block and Todd Downing's the, the GOAT in the wrong way for that day and that week and really about a month after the fact. So with all that being said, um, yeah, fair. Use Malik more, but understand the moment. And if the moment calls for more Malik, because Tannehill can only do so much, then have at it. I hope that they've had adequate time to prepare. I think likely not, but I've seen Mike Vrabel craft together uh, game plans. Mike Vrabel and his staff craft together game plans with players who they got off the couch on a Thursday or a uh, Wednesday afternoon. And then, you know, he calls them stray cats and he says, get out there. If you, It's like... Literally, as, as a cat dad myself, the stray cat reference made me laugh last year about Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman and Buster Screen. But, and it, honestly, I didn't really understand the reference because he said something to the effect of, it's like a stray cat. If you bring in, they reward you with love. And I'm looking at the two stray cats that exist in my home and, and saying, you know, two years in, I have yet to receive the affirmations, the positive affirmations that the stray cats are supposed to provide. Uh, not yet, as one sits there glaring at me, looking like they're going to kill me, because that's what cats do. But with uh, with the purposes of how Mike Vrabel puts together a game, pl game plan, you know, Andrew Adams, I think, is the prototypical example of that. Terrence Mitchell, who was a dog in the game against the Raiders, is an example of that. Like I said, Screen, Hilliard, Foreman, they, they find ways to make these things work with veteran players who have experience, and who understand plays but just need to learn the language, and that's what they spend the majority of their week focusing on. They're not giving them the full playbook right out the gate. They're saying, okay, who do we got based on that week's opponent? Who What can we put together, and is it going to look much different from what we're doing already, or can we do largely the same thing and continue to win with defense, with lack of turnovers, 
and you know, outrushing the opponent, which is basically the three keys to success that Mike Vrabel lays out each and every week. So to that end, your two rivers four take fair or foul. The Titans should continue using Malik as a weapon in their offense. I don't think I've seen a foul yet at this point. Actually, I found one, and I'll read it for you right after I remind you that the primetime show is made possible by the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. That's GaryAshton.com. That is the best real estate team that your favorite teams trust. Gary Ashton and his group will get you the intel edge you need to succeed, to sell your home without any showings or staging, to find your next home while you sell your current one, even when the uh, Nashville real estate market is red hot, and to win the buyer battle and cash in on your home equity right now. GaryAshton.com, the best in the business, the people who put me in my dream address without the stress almost four years ago. I sound like an old man, but I've been a homeowner for four years and I could not be happier because of the Ashton team. So, uh, fair or foul is the question. And I haven't seen a lot of commentary to the negative until Brent Woods, who says foul. He has fumbled twice and thrown the ball in the dirt behind receivers, giving him a bigger role. Then they risk more turnovers, which is hard for this team to overcome. So, uh, those are now, you know, I would have to go back and look at individual plays to see how often Malik was, for example, throwing behind a wide receiver in game action because there's just not been, he hasn't had that many passing attempts, right? It's, it's, he's, ironically, he was the first rookie quarterback of any of the rookie quarterbacks to play in, a, in an NFL game this year back in week two because they were getting bum rushed so terribly by the Buffalo Bills in that game. But there have been fumbles, there have been inaccuracies, and, you know, it's basically been the same when we've seen him, again, in a small sample size, basically been the same experience as the preseason. There is precious little room or reason to believe that it would be substantially different, substantially better, if he was to start a game. Like, for those of you who remember Mike Vrabel's first year, where I think it was week two that they had to cobble get together. And I I still, I go back when I, when I want to do some real sicko Titans reminiscing, I go back and look at the roster for this game. This was after the week one Miami disaster, Mike Vrabel's first game as an NFL head coach. This is after Delaney Walker snapped his ankle so badly that it was completely turned around, pointing upwards at the sky as he lay on his stomach. This was after Taylor Lewan got body bagged by Chunky number 50 for the Dolphins, who name, whose name escapes me at the moment. And this was after Marcus Mariota got nerve damage in his elbow, and we thought the season was over in the very first game, in the longest game in NFL history since the 1970 merger because we had four damn hours of lightning delays. I could have cried, and I didn't even play. I was just sitting in the press box the whole time. But week two, right? <laughs> so they do all that, and they lose to Tannehill, ironically enough. And they come into the second week of that season. They're like, all right, who's playing quarterback? Who's playing tackle? Lawan's concussed. Delaney's, you know, our entire offense. To that point, we're banged. We don't know what to do. And then Blaine Gabbert comes out, starts a game with uh, Jack, because Jack Conklin wasn't playing on the right side either. I believe Kevin Palmfield, and Tyler Merritts were the starting tackles for that game instead of Jack Conklin and Taylor Lewan. Blaine Gabbert managed the game. Kevin Byard threw a touchdown pass on special teams to Dane Crookshank, and the Titans found a way to win a game. So, you know, it would likely be constipated on offense. It would likely be unpleasant to watch. But if you had to give them the opportunity to develop a game plan around a player who's, you know, got a 
particular set of skills, like Liam Neeson. Uh, this guy may not kill you with his ability to run the football, but he can certainly do damage if you find a way to get him to settle in and play disciplined football. And that's not something that he's necessarily had to do a ton up to this point. Not anything, not any of his fault. It's just the reps aren't there once the regular season starts. In the preseason, you can really only accomplish so much at this point. So uh, keeping tabs on the Thursday night football game, I don't know why they're showing me uh, visuals of Justin Tucker attempting and making. Funny enough, 70-yard kicks would have been good from 71 because he's a freak. Uh, but I guess the Ravens are driving right now. Eight seconds on the clock, 10 to 3 the score. Baltimore just got into plus territory at the uh, Tampa Bay 44, looks like at this point, trying to set up Tucker for a field goal, and Lamar just throws it out of bounds. So we'll see if he's got it. Uh, he usually does. It's an insane uh, ability. The Ravens get away with far too many wins because of this man. He's beautiful. Every team wishes they had a Justin Tucker. He's made 74% of field goal attempts from 50-plus yards. That's disgusting. That's 11 points higher. That's No, rather 10 percentage points higher than the NFL average since he entered the league in 2012. Crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, let's move on and let's talk about some more crazy stuff, some new stadium renderings that were entered into discussion. We know what the Titans' new stadium projects to look like, but now we also have seen some pictures of the Bills. Uh, it's almost like an F-kill Mary. Ooh, did that get blocked? Yeah, that got blocked. The rare uh, the rare Ravens special teams miscue. 10-3 to 3 is what that will go to at halftime. In the meantime, we'll keep you entertained with some stadium renderings discussion. Would you rather, it's almost like F kill or Mary, Titans new stadium or Bill's new stadium? Let me know in the comment section on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you are hanging out with us. And we will talk about it together right after I remind you that Superbook Sports is where you go to get in on the action this sports season. No matter what the season, Superbook Sports accepts wagers on every major sport. No match your first bet up to $1,000, win or lose in the Superbook Sports app, available in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, and always clean and easy to use. Odds boosts and local team promotions is what they offer you. You can literally click a Tennessee tab in the Superbook Sports app to get your wagers in today. I put out my uh, best bets for the college football, for the SEC college football weekend today. So far, I'm one and three. Uh, we've only done it. We've only done it through one week, and I'm one and three. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe take Slay's picks over my picks. But either way, make your picks. It's superbooksports.com. Terms and conditions can be found there. Gambling problem called the Tennessee Red Line, 1 800 889 9789. So, uh, Eric Alonzo says, Buck isn't a Malik Willis fan. No weapon formed against Malik shall prosper. So, that's very daunting. Um, well, I, I'm not a fan of any of them. It's not my job to be. I'm paid, in fact, to be quite the opposite. I'm paid to give you objective analysis. The objective analysis would be, I very much enjoy talking to Malik Willis. He seems like a lovely guy. People seem uh, speak very highly of him. And also, I'm not much interested in watching him play quarterback poorly when uh, in a divisional game, certainly not if I'm a Titans fan and I have a rooting interest in that game. If I'm the Texans, I would welcome the opportunity for Lovey Smith as a defensive-minded head coach to absolutely berate a rookie quarterback 
who's who is whose college football system is so far from what an NFL operation actually looks like that it would put him in a legitimately a legitimately difficult place where he would struggle. Now, I'm not saying that the guy doesn't deserve more opportunities that they can't find different ways to integrate him uh, into their offensive game plan. I don't think it has to be every week. I think they can pick their spots, right? Once they benched Marcus for Tannehill, they found ways to get Marcus out on the field, uh, just kind of like the Raiders did when Derek Carr was the starting quarterback. Like There are ways to do this, to do this smartly and to do this well, but it's just a matter of, okay, do you trust him to operate on the huddle out there by himself? The answer probably right now is still no, even though we are seven weeks into an NFL season where he's been doing mostly running other teams' offenses as a member of the scout team to give the starting defense the looks that they require. So all that to say that um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't care either way whether Malik Willis plays. I don't care either. Well, in fact, the only I tell you guys this all the time, the best thing that would happen for me is for Malik Willis to start. Because then no matter what happens, you guys are going to be active. You guys are going to be engaged. We'll have a massive show that night in Houston. And the radio show phone lines will be off the hook for three straight hours. So for the for the selfish interested, yeah, Malik, for, for selfish interests, yeah, Malik Willis starting would be great. I, I can literally hear the money, and that makes me happy. Um, but out beyond that, you know, I don't care what happens uh, with, uh, with the quarterback situation. I'm just here to tell you about what is happening with your quarterback situation through the week of observations, the the opportunities that I'm able to get out to practice and to go about that thing, uh, to go to continue to give you guys informed opinion on what it is that I see. Uh, Michael Jeffrey Shrout says, Buck, do you think we will make any noticeable trade moves before the deadline? Like all these other teams out here making moves at wide receiver slash Robert Quinn, we do nothing. Well, okay, so let's, let's take this piece by piece. Uh, before we talk about the stadium thing, because I want to make sure you guys get back in time to watch halftime of this game, because this might actually be a decent Thursday night football game. Um, So do I think you'll make any noticeable trade moves before the deadline? So I've been talking to a lot of people uh, about this, and uh, I would say say to you that it is very quiet right now, but their pro scouting staff, which is the staff within the front office that is tasked with scouting pro players that may be available, not just via trade, but in future free agencies, right? That job is about working ahead to doing advanced scouting. It's not just a college scouting staff, but they have a pro scouting staff too. And the pro scouting staff has been active for a variety of reasons. It's active because they have so damn many injuries that they have to continue to explore as many different op, uh, opportunities as at many different positions to continue to make this thing function because they're just running out of bodies to a certain extent. But beyond, you know, of of legitimate trade interest, uh, Philadelphia knows they're desperate uh, as the Bears, as Philadelphia knew the Bears were desperate. A fourth round pick for a dude who had 18 and a half sacks last year is pennies on the dollar. It is nothing because they have all manner of draft capital because of the trade that they did with Miami. They were gearing up to potentially have to trade up to get a quarterback. Instead, they're 6-0 and on the season, coming off a bye and looking absolutely overwhelming. Uh, Howie Roseman, who is the GM there, he has dealt with John Robinson before. They have had successful deals for both sides before. DeMarco Murray, Dennis Kelly. Uh, there was a more recent one uh, that escapes me, but there have been 
several uh, transactions between those two front offices before. But like I said, Philly knows they're desperate. Everybody knows they're desperate because everybody sees Dennis Daly on a regular basis, and everybody knows that guy can't play. Tennessee needs a left tackle. Let's upcharge them. So, you know, as they work through those things, we've got about a we've got less than a week. Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Time is the deadline, and we'll move forward from there. Uh, but at that point, I think that uh I think that um, you know, it is what it is. The second part of that, like all these other teams out here making moves at wide receiver Robert Quinn. Well, there's not all these other teams out here making moves. There's two teams making moves. They're the two teams that should clearly and obviously be the favorites in their respective conferences. Um, you know, it's a it's it you could probably go Bills or Chiefs at this point, but Patrick Mahomes is playing the position with a uh, with a level of efficiency that we've never seen from him. Greg Cosell on the podcast we did on Wednesday literally called him Michael Jordan. And Greg doesn't do sports talk radio uh, hyperbole the way that I do because I'm the gas bag and Greg's the analyst. And when Greg says shit like that, it perks me up because that is crazy for anybody to say. And then you go look at the numbers and it's even better than you could imagine if you haven't been watching the Chiefs as of late. They just rolled a great 49ers defense that's that's healthy for the first time in quite some time, and they did it with relative ease. So you have the Chiefs on the one side trading for Kadarius Toney, who is going to have an awkward uh, conversation with his uh, tattoo artist when he has to get that entire New York City skyline back tat and his number 89 with the Giants logo on it removed from his entire back, or maybe he'll just let it ride. Who's to say? Um, but you have, the, uh, you have a situation where they trade for a player who's cost-effective, Still on a rookie deal, can do some of the some of the gadget type of stuff that McCall Hardman can do. Has some explosiveness to him, despite being injured this year. He's not Tyree Kill. Nobody is, but you could find different ways to make him kind of like that with Patrick Mahomes as a half a billion dollar quarterback. On the other side, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are flush with draft capital, who got picks to burn. And said, yeah, Chicago and Matt Eberflus, your, your goofy goober last name. I'm going to throw you a fourth round pick uh, for your trouble. And you're going to give me the best, the best pass rusher, not named Khalil Mack, that's been on the Chicago Bears since, you know, God knows who on a long list of great defenders. And by the way, Robert Quinn is only 32 years old, which shocked me. That's it's it's crazy. He's been in the league for my entire lifetime, I feel like. And he's only 32 and coming off an eight, he hadn't been great this year, hadn't been overwhelmingly effective this year, but he had about 18 and a half. Well, he had 18 and a half sacks last year and set a franchise record for a, for a team, a franchise that's got a lot of proud defensive players, great defensive players in their history. Um, so there's not a bunch of teams doing it. It's two teams. It's the two favorites right now. Maybe Buffalo and, and KC are, are one and two, but still, you you know what Kansas City is. And will they make any moves? It's pretty quiet right now, but that doesn't mean that things can't change in the next, you know, in the, in the span of the next four or five days. So I feel like I've exhausted myself uh, already and we haven't even got to the stadium topic, but let's talk about these stadium renderings uh, and then we'll get you back to Thursday night football right after I remind you that True Mav Fitness is the place that you go to get your fitness journey started. TrueMavFitness.com, your first workout is free. If you are a Middle Tennessee resident, they got all manner of ways for you to work out. If you like boot camp style classes, they've got them. They're about 40 minutes. They're quick. They're efficient. They push you no matter what your level of fitness is, but not to the point where you are physically unable to handle it. That's not their goal. They're trying to make you better 
They have a specific formula to do that. They have personal training if you want a more specified approach or an open gym if you just want to work out on your own time with you know some helpful advice from time to time from their coaches and experts. TrueMapFitness.com, conveniently located in downtown Nashville in the Gulch. Get your first workout free, as I mentioned, on their website and find out more about their membership opportunities today. So, uh, stadium stuff, as we look at the Bills renderings that were put out today. So, you know what the Titan Stadium looks like, or you know what the new Titan Stadium will look like. I've heard Top Golf, which is accurate, uh, based on this rendering. I've heard Whole Foods, which is accurate, based on this rendering. Um, in fact, this looks like the Whole Foods that I shop out uh, off-Broadway, um, right there off, uh, off uh, it's not 24, is that 40? Either way, the highway right there, the the Whole Foods right there. Yes, it looks like both of those things. It looks like uh, the love child of Top Golf and Whole Foods. I think it looks cool. I'm personally for football stadiums that don't look like every other football stadium in the world. I think the, the Roomba in Vegas is really cool. I think Allegiant Stadium's an interesting construction. SoFi is obviously badass, and it's also in Los Angeles, of which I will be at in December. And I always enjoy an L.A. trip when the weather starts to get cold, but also because that stadium is a wonder to behold. Jerry World looks more conventional, but Jerry uh, was still on the forefront of those things. And we know what the Titans stadium interior looks like, which is that of Allegiant Stadium, the translucent uh, dome not open air like it is in SoFi where there's just a little gap uh, between the Titans logo that you see running around the, the screen there and the stadium dome itself. SoFi has that. That's why they get games paused for things like lightning delays, which are silly. And then, you know, you're just typical bowl structure with fewer seats. And I'm sure the press box literally up in the rafters, probably on the roof, because that's the way that they do those things in new stadiums, and I hate that. But I like new and bright and shiny things. And so when I saw the Bills Stadium renderings today, I thought, huh, that's interesting. It also looks like they're out there ice skating. If you've been to Orchard Park, I just recently got back from Orchard Park. It is a wasteland. There is nothing in the city of Buffalo to enjoy other than Niagara Falls and some wings that were okay. But the stadium itself looks cool. Looks kind of like the. It looks kind of like uh, a Allegiant Field SoFi baby at this point, but the difference being theirs remains open air. Now they have the canopy style, um, a little different than Miami, but a similar canopy style to protect some, I'm sure, high paying patrons from the elements. And it's only about 2000 more in capacity, um, for a city and a state or a city and a fan base that could easily fill a larger stadium. Unlike the Titans, they also are only going, uh, 62,000 to the new Titans Stadium projects, 60,000. So if I had to make you pick, which one do you like more? You've got the open air, likely still turf because Buffalo is a nightmare to take care of grass. Once basically, you know, I mean, it was getting cold up there when I was there in September. That was week two. Uh, you've got the visual outside of Orchard Park. It looks lovely. You can take your kids ice skating and then go watch Josh Allen run over, you know, hurdle linebackers like a damn unicorn. And then you have Nissan or what, you know, whatever the naming rights of this thing end up being, you have the Tennessee Titans Stadium located on the East Bank, downtown Nashville, very much a part of the skyline, a modern build, a domed stadium, um, but still with the conveniences that come with a, uh, a campus that is not, you know, 45 minutes away the way that Orchard Park is from downtown Buffalo. So if I had to make you pick, which one would you pick? 
Uh, Titans Rossi says ours is better. And by the name of Titans Rossi, I assume that's a completely unbiased and objective uh, opinion on the matter, but that's all well and good. Uh, for Derek R says the Bill Stadium looks like a literal bubble. Yeah, I got I got the bubble vibe. It, you know what it looks like? It looks like the bean in Chicago. It looks like the bean in Chicago. I'm going to put this back up on the and I you know I've never gotten the obsession with the bean. I've been to Chicago a million and one times. It reminds me of the bean. Now I don't know if that's just because it's shiny and silver, um, and that's what my mind's eye immediately associates it with in stadium form because it's obviously not bean shape, but something about it. It's giving bean. Um, Bill's new stadium looks cooler, says Titans Rossi, but he says that the Titans is better. Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I kind of like that aesthetic. Like, I get the Top Golf jokes because it literally looks like the top. I, I live, I live not very far from Top Golf. It's just literally across the river, uh, the Jefferson Street Bridge there. Um, so yeah, I get the Top Golf. But I like that it. I like that it doesn't look like. Is it weird that I like it because it doesn't look like a football stadium? I don't know why that appeals to me. I just seen so many damn football stadiums that look exactly the same. Like Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil looks different. Like I like the brick uh, exterior. I know it looks like a Kroger. I've seen the jokes uh, time and time again. But it just it looks different than the other stadiums. That's the wrong graphic. Looks different than the other stadiums that we uh, that you typically see. Um, I'm trying to think of another recent one. Mercedes Benz is more prototypical. I, I have, I was in Atlanta last year for preseason. <sighs> well, I like Baltimore, but Baltimore is a conventional stadium. M and T bank, basically the construct of it looks like Nissan stadium now. Um, and it's also very centrally located to downtown. Also Ravens fans are batshit crazy and they always make it a fun experience because you're literally the press box. You you're literally sitting with them in the lower bowl and all that separates you is a very, very small pane of glass that if they're upset en enough about what's happening on the field, they will throw things at you. And it makes you think that they're going to hit you in the head with a beer can or something like that, which is all a part of the experience, right? Makes you feel alive. Instead of Lucas oil where you get vertigo because it's 9,000 feet up in the air, but uh, nobody cares about the press box complaints. Either way, I am partial to the Titan stadium. Uh, maybe just because I've just gone to Buffalo and I didn't like how far, how long it took me to get there. Um, Bills fans are crazy. They need that kind of tailgating capacity. They need that. They like the mighty Buffalo. They need room to roam because they're all drunk. They're all insane. They're all covered in frozen mustard and ketchup and whatever the hell else that dude dumps on himself in the Bills mafia tailgate as they dive vigorously through the tables. But, uh, yeah, I'm part just because more logistics than anything. Like, I think they both look cool. But logistically, uh, in favor of the Titans. All right. It's going to do it for us tonight here on the Primetime Show. We appreciate your time. As always, uh, appreciate Sam Phelan helping me out behind the scenes tonight. As producer Reed is not sure what Reed is doing. I'm sure he's being lazy somewhere, but that's not true. Reed never gets any time off. And Reed works a lot harder than I do. Um, I think that uh, I think the uh, I think the rest of this um, you know, is, uh, is we've done a good job this week. I feel like you guys have been very active and very, uh, invested throughout the course of the week. I appreciate your time as always. If you're going to Houston, I'll probably see you down there. We typically like to swing by the, uh, Titans fan. You know, there's so many damn, so many damn, uh, many of you, uh, Titans, so many damn, many of you is what I said. So many of you in Houston that the, uh, Meetup is always cool, and I know a couple of former Titans and Oilers usually show up to that, so perhaps we'll see you there on Saturday night. And if I see you at the game on Sunday, I will enjoy seeing you as well. 
But that will do it for us. Radio show tomorrow, Ron Slay, Coach Dave McGinnis, uh, Brett Kern in studio, and Ben Jones as a part of that interview. It was a lot of fun today. If you didn't catch it, go check out the podcast. And another 615 Sessions episode will come your way tomorrow afternoon before I hit my flight to Houston. See you guys Sunday night, or I guess Sunday morning for Titan Game Day morning. I'll see you a bunch of different times this weekend. But uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend.